0: ShotGlassDigital.com
1: On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we tackle some of the biggest news that we've gotten recently in snippets. We're going to speculate, we're going to synopsize. we're going to check your emails, all this and so much more on this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. We're at episode one hundred four, one hundred four. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Steve Gloss, and so glad to have you along with us on this little journey into geekdom. We're going to take. I'm really excited about the stuff we're talking about tonight. Because um, it's one of the, it's going to be one of those shows where not only do we hear a lot from you, the listener, but also there's been a few little things come out here and there that um, have just really got the juices flowing, the old geek juices flowing, and have got me kind of thinking about some things, you know. And we'll get when we get there, we'll talk about it. But there's been a few concerns about a particular movie that's coming up uh, this May. And there's one little line in in a recent press release that's kind of got me like, oh, okay, now it's all starting to make sense and come together. We'll talk about that when we get to it. I do need to warn you that as we get into the snippets later on, uh, it may get kind of spoilery on things like Star Wars and Avengers Age of Ultron, not not with an intention to be overtly spoilery. We're not going to get into too much that would ruin movies for anybody or anything, but... um, just so you'll know, there may be some spoilery type stuff. For example, the filming, there, there's there been a video released of a certain ship from a certain movie. And there's been a synopsis released uh, by Marvel for Avengers 2. And we'll be talking about both of those things as we get into the show. Before we do that, I just want to say thanks to everyone who has supported the show by using the Amazon link over at geekoutonline.com. dot com. dot com is where we post the weekly schedule that is often as you can see, those of you who are listening live tonight can see that it changes from time to time. But it's also, you know, we're wanting to end up making it the hub once again. I'd really like for Geek Out Loud to once again be able to um to be called uh the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. dot com. That was always a fun little thing. So we um you know, so there's there, there's some ideas rolling for stuff like that. and But there's an Amazon link there on the left sidebar uh, that if you click on that, use that link to to search for whatever it is you're looking for on Amazon. Do your shopping through that link. We get a little bit back, and it really helps out the shows. I think you're supposed to clear your cookies before you do that. Um, and if you do that, it'd be so great. It helps us out in, in such a big way, and we really, really appreciate it. And it's uh, huge, huge special things to everyone who supported us via patreon at patreon.com geek now patreon uh you guys have just gone above and beyond month after month after month and it has been a huge help and there's a lot of stuff we're doing behind the scenes right now to kind of tighten up the way things are happening in the GolaVerse, so that we can better put out stuff for you guys so everything is coming together and uh and it's just super awesome. For those of you who are waiting on t-shirts, we've got a design in. We've got uh we we're getting it to the printers, and uh you guys that are getting the exclusive Patreon t-shirts, get ready. Those those will be coming your way, not in the not too distant future. Also, um, if you've noticed the exclusive podcast, we we've we've kind of changed formats ever so slightly. It's still movie commentaries, uh, but this month was Iron Man from two thousand eight. And what we're going to be doing is going over the Marvel movies leading up to the release of Avengers 2. I had a blast doing it, man. I I watched it a couple of times before I actually sat down and did the commentary, took some notes, was pointing out, trying to do my best to point out Easter eggs, have a few bits here and there. And hopefully that's going to be, or not hopefully, that's definitely going to be um, the way we roll through these. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I'm... I don't know that there's going to be any new information revealed, but it's definitely going to be my take on the way that I see things rolling in. And we're probably a couple of months going to have to do two in a month. I, I did my math wrong. Imagine me not being able to count, but uh, yeah, it happens. So that's coming down the pipe. But for those of you who are supporting us at patreon.com slash we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate uh, your help and your support. And our featured Patreon supporter This episode is Jennifer Barrows. The air swirls around her as she calls it to herself to attack those who would wreak havoc. And she does so with the power of the element of air. She not only has the ability to create great winds and deprive criminals of their air, she can also surround herself with air and survive in the greatest depths of the ocean and take flight as she makes the air literally lift her from the ground. That's Jennifer Barrows. This episode's Featured supporter, this week's featured supporter, over at the Patreon, the Geek Out Loud, the Golaverse Wall of Fame that you can find at Geekoutonline dot com. GeekOutonline.com. Well, with all that being said and all the intros and stuff out of the way, we do it all the time. Let's jump into some emails. Right. First email comes from Wendy Cooper. Wendy says, Dear Steve, thank you for not bashing Batman Forever on the latest Geek Out Loud. I've always enjoyed it. That's it. Love the show. And that's from Wendy. I I dug Batman Forever. Always have. Batman Forever was for me an experience where I was, um, I, it was the first time I'd ever been in a theater where people were cheering. And clapping at stuff it was it was really cool we were uh it came out I believe in the summer of ninety <clears throat> five excuse me and um and so I had just gone to college and right down from campus where I was in college, there was a dollar movie theater you you it was on well dollar fifty, but then on Tuesday nights it was a dollar, so you know all of the students would just flock to this thing, and it was of course movies like in post release like this was just before they were coming to video and uh and and so there we were to watch a little bit of batman forever and as the names came on the screen uh i remember all the guys when nicole kidman came across her name came across the screen everyone cheered well people cheered for jim carrey and that sort of thing and then when nicole kidman's name came across the screen all the guys cheered and then when um oh my gosh who played robin who played dick grayson Oh my Lanta. Uh, anyhow, him when his name came across the screen, uh the girls just squealed. And there's no way, listen, there's no way the low rumbling of um of a male's cheer Chris O'Donnell was his name, thank you. There's no there's no way the low rumbling of male cheering outdoes the shrieks of of the ladies and I mean they did and it was just hilarious and the whole time we just had a good time with it. And so I have that memory attached to it, but I also in that time I was right in my wheelhouse to be a huge fan of Jim Carrey. Uh Val Kilmer was for a long time um one of my favorite favorite uh actors. I just uh, he was so good at everything he did. I loved The Saint um and and was just always really impressed with him. So Uh, so I, I dug Batman forever. I thought Batman forever was better than Batman and Robin. So, um, yeah, it, it just was, uh, it's one of those things. And so, no, you're not going to hear me bash Batman forever because I genuinely enjoyed it. It's one of those things where I know the, the, the flaws and I know the little things that are there, but I, doesn't mean I don't like it. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. And and so and I think that's the key with anything is you just gotta enjoy it. So Wendy, you don't worry, I'm not gonna be bashing uh the old Batman forever. Matthew Marks chimes in and he says, Um, hey Steve, thanks for featuring me on goal. My wife thinks the tongue power is gross, no matter how good looking I am, but that's fine. Her non acceptance of my superpowers can be part of my character development. <laughs> I really enjoyed your discussion about Marvel versus DC. I personally prefer Marvel over DC. I enjoy the movies more because I like my comic book movies to be fun. So far, Man of Steel has been the only fun DC movie that I've seen. I thought the Dark Knight trilogy were good movies, but I've never felt drawn to watch them again. I think I've seen Begins twice, Dark Knight two or three times, and I haven't seen uh, Returns, which is actually Rises, since the theater's. But I understand why people like them. I haven't seen Green Lantern, and I see no reason to watch it. On the Marvel side, I loved every movie in the MCU. I've yet to see X-Men, Days of Future Past, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. As I said in my last email, i have to wait till Redbox. In terms of TV shows, I think they're probably tied for me. I love the Spider-Man and X-Men shows in the 90s. I don't remember seeing much of the Superman series from that era or Batman the Animated Series, so they must have just been on at the wrong time. Batman the animated series is animated superhero perfection it it really is um and uh and and so I would definitely encourage you to 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 dig that up let me uh real quick we're going to take a quick break here um unexpectedly and see she's been trying to call in I was I didn't have the Skype pulled up hello hello
0: Hey,
1: hey, hey. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Teresa Delgado, the lovely, talented, and powerful co-host of uh, Disney Vault Talk. What's going on, my friend?
0: Nothing. I'm just checking in for a few minutes just to apologize to everybody. We've seriously been slacking.
1: <laughs> well, no, you know, no. last week I was just out of it. There was no podcasting to be done for Steve last week. And you've had a busy week. You've been to Dragon Con you're getting ready, apparently, to go to New York Comic Con.
0: I was just at Fanboy Expo in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I got to hang out with Steve Bloom and Greg Ellis for three days. I was their assistant. it well, was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of suck, Teresa. I mean, let's just <laughs> let's just be honest. So, um, but listen, people can expect we're gonna we're not we're not pod fading on Disney Vault Talk.
0: No, no, no. What
1: what we're kind of doing is setting back, taking a deep breath and getting ready to attack big time.
0: Oh, yeah, because we're going to be talking about some of the best films Disney ever did.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, well, look, here's the thing. It's This is what we call the calm before the storm, because we've got our next episode will be on Make Mine Music, and then Fun and Fancy Free, and then The Adventures of Mr. Toad Frog, and Sleepy yeah. Hollow, or whatever it is, and then, boom, we hit the big one.
0: Oh, I know. So. I mean... It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting ride, my friend.
1: It is. It's gonna it's gonna and 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 I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be a good time and and I may be able to impress you with a fun fact or two coming up on our next episode.
0: Ooh, some fun fact tidbits! I hear. So you. excited! I hear. You. <laughs> it's been so long, Steve. I know. So long. I
1: know. I know. But uh, but you know, here we are. Well, you've been how real quickly because this is Geek Out Loud. How was Dragon yeah. Con? How was Dragon Con?
0: Dragon Con was all I could ever hope it would be and so much more. I actually had a blast. You were ha- I really did.
1: Yeah, you were hanging out with some cool people, Riley and Bethany, Aaron. Yeah,
0: yeah. I got to uh, I got to drag Riley out on the dance floor on his birthday and make him do a little bit of a swing dance. Nice pretty entertaining. Nice. Um it went to a rave in the middle of the night.
1: <laughs> Man, Dragon Con is like Mardi Gras for geeks.
0: Uh, we had a blast, but you know what? There are some amazing cosplayers yes. at at Dragon Con. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of the coolest "How to Train Your Dragon" like costumes I've ever seen, mm-hmm. ever. Like full out dragons. Yes. I mean, it was so cool, and we uh, we got to moderate the two Star Wars book panels with the like you know kings of authors for Star Wars books. We had to do two panels with Timothys on. I mean, how wow. freaking amazing is that? Yeah,
1: yeah. did you get to interact with them any outside of the panel?
0: Um, not too much because they were booked for other things mm-hmm. and other tracks, so they had to go pretty quickly. Yeah. But Dragon Con was a blast. I really had a good time. And um, then Tampa Fanboy Expo was really, really fun. Um, it's a small convention here in Tampa, but the... The hype for Star Wars Rebels was
1: really awesome. Uh, I wish I would have known. I didn't even know that was going on. If I'd have known that was going on, I might have tried to make my way down to Tampa.
0: Well, I, you know, here's the thing I didn't really know it was happening either. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine who volunteers for it, um, and she's one of like the main volunteers, last minute, literally like three weeks before the convention, they booked Steve Bloom, who is Zeb. On, for anybody that's listening doesn't know on Star Wars Rebels and then also Greg Ellis who a lot of people will know from Pirates of the Caribbean he was lieutenant groves mm-hmm. in um, Pirates one three and four and then he was in the like JJ Abrams Star Trek movie um do you remember in in Star Trek when they go to fly down to that platform yes and he's the red one
1: he's the red one okay
0: yeah um yeah <laughs> And he was in 24, he was in Mm. Dexter, but in Star Wars Rebels, he's the voice of Baron Rudor, who Mm. is the TIE Fighter pilot that Ezra gets into it with in that little short clip.
1: Oh, wow, cool, cool.
0: Um, And so I think he's in like five or six episodes of the show for now. Um, yeah, I saw but, the. So I got to hang out with them too. It was really fun. And I
1: saw the sign that you guys had to make to let people know that it was a Star Wars.
0: Okay, place. so here's the story behind that. We're sitting there. This is a great con story. Greg has his own section, and Steve he has his own section. You've seen at conventions how they put those bars up with yes. the little curtains, you yes. know? So we're separated on the first day. And Greg got there before Steve. And so Greg was saying that Steve wasn't there. So I needed to go and help him. So I was over there. And then Steve showed up and Steve was like, well, come over here. So it was this back and forth, you know, of <laughs> who am I going to, who am I going to sit with? And, um, Greg finally said, well, this is just ridiculous. So he takes the bar down and pushes their tables together so that nice. we don't have this problem anymore. Um, and then the next day, Eric, Eric Bowersfeld, mm-hmm. who was the voice of Admiral Akbar. Yes. He gets there, and, and such a nice man, but he can't really hear you, and he's pretty old. Um, and so he has his table, but when they show up, they put up this big sign that shows Star Wars and Admiral Akbar and all this stuff, so you clearly <laughs> know what he's from.
2: You're right. So,
0: so we look at each other, and we're like, well, maybe we need a sign so people know that you guys are from Star Wars, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we find some paper, and I get one of their Sharpie markers, and I drew, <laughs> I drew bubble letters.
1: I mean, not even in the Star Wars font. Didn't even try to do the Star Wars font. No,
0: I didn't. I was just trying to get it done. And we had to find tape and all this other stuff. It's completely ridiculous. And we stick it up there. And um, we turned around, we looked at it, and we were like, yep. That's good. That's really good. We're nice. so proud of ourselves.
1: Nice. Well, um keep your ears out because if it's a small con, those are kind of fun to go to. I may try to go. We may try to bring the Golaverse to Fanboy Expo next year.
0: That would be so cool. Wouldn't you know, they they have a lot of stuff that um that they would like to do and the cosplay there was actually really, really good. Because mm-hmm. sometimes at small conventions, you're not really sure what you're what you're gonna get. Right. But no, it was really good cosplay. Um, the Tampa squad of the 501st was just amazing mm. and so kind to me. That's the first time I've interacted with 501st members before, but that's the first time I've ever gotten to know them um, in and out of their costumes. Because they came over and talked to us and stuff. And they were so nice. And there was a little fangirl, fan kid that was a little Jawa. And I'm going to post pictures of it. I don't think I have yet. She was a little Jawa at first. And then she came back in a Leia costume. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. And yeah. I actually got permission from her parents. So I'm going to be having her on Fangirls Going Rogue sometime in the next couple of months.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So I'm just, you know, <clears throat> it's a thing where you're, you're a bit of an internet celebrity, Teresa. So
0: no So people are gonna know
1: who you are, but also I think it'd be cool it'd be a cool way to kinda of get our foot in the door with the goal next year to small con like that to kind of expand and eventually have the goal con.
0: It would be really cool and you would have a place to stay. Oh my lanta with
1: Greg. So- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, hey, um I'm I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I was actually headed up to Athens, Georgia on Saturday of Dragon Con in an impromptu trip with my little sister to go to the University of Georgia football game. And we were driving along, and I had the news on listening. And whoever was... No, I had the game. I had the pregame stuff on. And they were talking about the big game that was going on at the Georgia Dome there in Atlanta. And I was just like, oh, my, Atlanta, there is a game where 80,000 people have descended on Atlanta for this thing plus the fifty thousand of Dragon Con. I am so glad I'm not there.
0: Yeah, because it was I it was West Virginia mm-hmm. and who else was there? Um it was West Virginia and somebody else and um because they they were wearing their jerseys. And you know this is like op oh, this is opening day of college football season. hmm And so and I knew my Longhorns were playing that evening. So, we're waiting in line for a panel and I have Longhorn Network on on my phone (laughs) in line for this panel and then I have it on while we're in the panel and you should talk to the kids about this because I was, we would score and my fist would go in the air and my Mm. chair would jump and um, Bethany says I was seat jumping because I was screaming silently in a panel. Nice. I'm like
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something you're not gonna like, Teresa. This may put us I at know. odds. Um, no, no, not it, so. Like you're really going to dislike what I'm about to say. Oh no. Um, after this past Saturday, my Georgia Bulldogs just were embarrassed on the field against uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks, and I just decided I'm sick and tired of being a dog fan. I think I'm going to be an Oklahoma Sooners fan. Oh
0: my. <laughs> I can't. What, Steve? What are you doing? Why? Why are you trying to kill me?
1: It's it's kind of rebellion against my dad because my dad's second favorite team in the uh, in in college football has become the Texas Longhorns.
0: Why are you going to kill me, Steve? <laughs> it doesn't matter because you know what? It doesn't matter because it is what day is it? It is Thursday, September eighteenth. It's nine fifty eight p.m. And guess what? What? Oh, you still suck.
2: Oh, you still. <laughs>
1: Boomer sooner. No, my dad's a big hook 'em horns guy. He loves to do the hook 'em horns. Even though he's a Georgia he graduated from UGA. We were born and bred and raised Georgia fans. And I was just joking this week. I'm like, I'm just gonna be it and it's because of Jim Ross. You know, he Uh, was he was the first person that came to my mind. I'm like, I'll just be an Oklahoma fan. So,
0: so gross <laughs> no man no i, I just can't I go with the orange
1: i can't Look go them. with the Ble- orange
0: bleed burnt orange with me steve mm. bleed burnt orange with you me. don't
1: understand everyone that i hate as a georgia fan is orange tennessee florida no, no, no! Clemson. But we're
0: burnt orange. We're a completely different shade of orange. We're not Tennessee orange, whatever that is.
1: Mm, that's just.
0: mm-mm. That's like no.
1: And there's some people in the chat saying roll Tide. I, you know, oh, I've never had tide. a problem with Alabama, but I just can't. Well, I can't. Alabama was this the
0: team t- that was there. That they oh, were. Oh, that's it was right. Them in West Virginia.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, no. No. Tide. Steve, you and I are gonna have to have a conversation yeah. off
1: here. <laughs> I can't leave the dogs. I can't quit them, Teresa. You know that. So. Well,
0: don't don't go there. Like Don't, <laughs> don't go to Oklahoma. Don't go there.
1: <laughs> don't start boomers sooner than yet. No, no.
0: Please, God, no. Please, no.
1: <laughs> All right. Well,
0: uh, well, I will, um, I'm will. i going to New York Comic Con, so we'll be able to talk about that after I go to that. There's going to be some cool and New Dawn stuff going on there. Awesome. Um, I've got to pick we're gonna that book up. We're going to be hanging out with Del Ray a lot. Yeah? So it'll be good. Oh, well,
1: you'll probably see Arish.
0: Yeah, we're going to hang out with Arish.
1: Yes. Well, tell him I said, hey, we're we, we we're probably, I'm going to probably start having him on on a regular basis on Geek Out Loud because people were, A, loving that he was playing with Legos while he was on the show, and B, they loved our talk about movies. So I told him, like, let's just start having you on for like 30 minutes every now and again, just talking about a movie we both love. So
0: Oh, that would be really fun. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Yo. yeah the next episode of fangirls going rogue which will come out next week mm-hmm. he is an honorary
1: fangirl oh i i feel the uh i feel the now see should i should i be like all right i'm in the same club i welcome him to the club or should i be like all right buddy you, you back off my territory
0: i think you should welcome him to the okay. club because there's mm-hmm. only three there's there's three four honorary fangirls and they are James Arnold Taylor mhm you mhm Aaron mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm and Irish. That is some great company to be in. All right, I'm good. I'm good with that club. It's a good club. It's a good club a to good be club. in. All right. Yeah. Well, Teresa, have a great night, and thanks for checking in. And and we do assure everyone that um, Disney Vault Talk will be back.
0: Yeah, it'll be sometime this weekend. All right. So sometime this weekend, once Steve and I iron all that out.
1: Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, Teresa, have a great night. Love to Greg.
0: Okay. Bye. I'll see ya
1: the lovely, talented, and powerful Teresa Delgado Luther, ladies and gentlemen. Luther? Wow. No, she's not Lex. She's not related to Lex. Luther. Anyhow, um, back to Matthews. Thanks, Teresa, for calling in. Love, Teresa. Uh, She has become a bright spot in the Goldiverse, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Back to Matthews' emails. He said, comics I never really read. He's talking about his preference of Marvel over DC says, I never really read Marvel or DC Comics until this past spring when a little thing called the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer came out. I quickly went to Comicsology and started reading the 2008 series, and I read some of the surrounding cosmic stories. And then went back to the early Guardians of the Galaxy. That included a good chunk of the Avengers series when it got into the Korvax saga. That's what I'm talking about. So I've really enjoyed the Marvel comics, but I haven't read any DC. So looking at all the mediums, Marvel wins for me. But I totally understand why some people prefer DC. And if Warner Brothers wants to take a different tone in their movies, they'll attract a slightly different crowd. And that means more comic book movie fans overall. So that can only be a good thing. I make no apologies for the length of this email, but I will apologize for any rambliness or lack of organization. May the force be with you. That's Matthew Marks. Well, Matthew, I agree with you. And, And it occurred to me when I got through recording... Uh, the last episode, I'm like, you know, I never really came down on a side. I never really said who is the who who is the winner in my book when it all comes down. When it all comes to I just came away saying I love superheroes. Um, the the kid in me is a Marvel kid. Uh, I am, you know that that's just what I really cut my my superhero teeth on more than anything else even though the really young kid in me is a DC kid because of Superman and the Super Friends. And so it's this war that rages within me. And any time that I bring up frustration with any movies that come out or TV shows that feature DC characters, it's not because I just want to bash them. It's not because... It's because I want to love them so much. I want to... I want to love Man of Steel so much more than I do. Um... It's just I have a hard time getting over something. Speaking of Man of Steel, you know, one of my big criticisms has always been uh, the shaky cam, the handheld camera. Here's something that's interesting now. Um, I I maintain that Zack Snyder and company digitally inserted some shakes in the camera. (laughs) I just, I, because as I remember now, and I'm not going back and watch the trailer since I've seen the movie, but I just remember the trailers having a little bit more steady feel to them. And I feel like they digitally inserted some shakes into the camera. Um, I was watching, I picked up, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to pick up Captain America Winter Soldier last week. And I was watching the special features I'm to do. And, and one of the featurettes Chris Evans is talking about, he says, this was, this film was shot with handheld cameras. When has that ever happened in a superhero movie? I'm like, well, Man of Steel did it, Chris. But, you couldn't have told me because they, there was so much other, there was so much other camera work done around the, the handheld stuff so that you really kind of were able to see what was going on. There was a lot of great helicopter shots, some crane shots. You could see there were some moments where they'd laid track and they were on a steady cam or they were on a, on a mounted camera kind of thing. So, you know, um, it, it, it's, but gosh, I watched that and I'm like, there's nowhere near the shakiness involved that there was in man of steel. But I, I, so I just thought it was funny. He's like, what other superhero movies done that? And I'm like, man of steel, man of steel has done that. Chris Evans, you need to know your superhero movies. So, um, but anyhow, I, I'm, I go on, I, I say all that to say that I'm, marvel but what'll happen is is if this batman superman movie just hits the right spot i'll be back dc all the way i it's 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 a weird thing i flip-flop because of the never-ending battle that rages within me you see so anyhow moving on thank you matthew for that email and uh, i appreciate you writing in scott purdy chimes in he says hey steve So I was going to outline a simple idea, but it turned into a little bit of Star Wars what-if fan fiction. I got carried away, so no need to read on air unless you think it might spark a good discussion. But the how would you write it idea might be fun to share with some of your guests. Now, there had been um, some conversation early on and a couple emails about Yoda versus Vader, who would win. And I never really knew who to come down on the side of. I, I feel like I want to say Yoda, but at the end of the day, I feel like probably Vader. He says, concerning Yoda versus Darth Vader, what if instead of asking who would win, we asked, how would I write it? I know it's asking for trouble since I've pictured a scene that would probably take eight pages to write, but I will enforce brevity. Anakin versus Yoda. Alternate timeline where Vader faces off against Yoda at Dagobah. Vader challenges Yoda to pick up a lightsaber and fight him. Yoda's response, weapons I no longer possess, only knowledge. So be it. Vader then charges Yoda uses his formidable telekinetic power and Yoda... I'm sorry. Vader charges. Then Yoda uses his formidable... formidable, easy for me to say... telekinetic powers to hold Vader in place. Vader struggles to break free and a battle of will ensues with tremendous effort. Three, or next, Yoda, while visibly expending great physical effort to contain Vader, calms himself and levitates forward, places his hand on the helmet and then touches his forehead to Vader's. What a powerful image, by the way, that is. That's great, Scott. That is just... To me, that is a great image right there that I was able to immediately conjure up in my mind. Time slows down and Yoda is able to get past the helmet to the twisted man underneath and then past the flesh to the mind of Anakin. Anakin from Revenge of the Sith is alone in the dark, screaming at Yoda to come out, but instead finds himself face-to-face with the Force ghost of Obi-Wan. Anakin attacks with his lightsaber, but it goes right through him. Obi-Wan tells Anakin... That he sacrificed himself on the Death Star to take away Anakin's hatred, and then ask what is left. Oh wow, that's huge, man! Because Anakin's last words to Obi Wan before Obi, you know, before they meet again on the Death Star, "I hate you." So, so Obi Wan says to Anakin, "I sacrificed myself so you have nowhere else to direct your hate. What's left?" Anakin then faces the force ghost of Mace Windu, who apologizes for failing to save his mother because the Jedi were so focused on the galactic scale they often turned a blind eye to individual suffering. Windu takes away his anger and asks what is left. This, see, this is a great... I would have used Qui-Gon instead of Mace, but this is a great thing. But here we go. Anakin then faces Qui-Gon, who apologizes for failing Anakin by dying and leaving him in fear. Anakin looks down, he's a child on Tatooine in his workshop. On the table is the galaxy, and many of the stars start going dark on one spiral arm. Child Anakin works to fix it, but in doing so, makes another section go dark. Anakin zooms in on one dark spot and finds himself amidst the scene of human soldiers shooting down a bunch of Tusken raiders, and sees how that led them to attacking settlers. He relives the suffering of his mother's death, and then one by one experiences all the suffering he caused as Darth Vader. He then finds himself face to face with Kenobi on Mustafar. Sorry about that. My my cup just scraped the microphone stand. Anakin shuts off his lightsaber and tosses it in the lava. He is child Anakin again, and the galaxy is fixed and glowing brighter than before. He is filled with wonder. Then a shadow falls over him. The voice of the Emperor saying no fills the room, and lightning shoots at Anakin from all directions, so he hides under the table. Yoda is there. Fight him, you can. All is dark now. Kenobi is there. Let go of your hate. Mace is there. Let go of your anger. Qui-Gon is there. Let go of your fear. This you can do, says Yoda. Grown Anakin faces all the Force ghosts and looks closely at Yoda and realizes a glow is formed around him. If you are here, then Yoda gives him a knowing look. The twisted flash opens its eyes and looks beyond the mass. The last image of Yoda fades, leaving only his robes levitating in the air for a moment and falling as time resumes regular speed. Vader screams and breaks free of Yoda's hold and destroys several acres of swamp in a telekinetic explosion. Vader's helmet crumbles along with his cybernetic arms and legs and he finds himself helpless on the ground. Next to his face is a small creature with broken wings, another victim of the destruction. What have I done, he weeps. He struggles to breathe and holds the wounded creature in his hand and hears the voice of Yoda. Much work left to do, you have. The Force ghosts combine their power to influence the physical world and undo the destruction around him. And then undo the damage. To Anakin's body; he is made whole and is wearing a plain robe. He opens his hand, and the creature flies free. He calls out to Yoda and the others, but they are gone. From there, Anakin takes a new name, and secretly works to restore balance to the Force and bring peace to the galaxy. Scott, well done, sir. Well done. That is, a, I'm not a big fan of um. Fan fiction so much, okay? But, man, the, the imagery you conjured up, great. Great. Good stuff. I I really enjoyed that, and I hope everyone else did too. So how would you write it? Maybe we should turn that into a little segment. How would you write it? And it can't be like, well, how would you fix what George Lucas did? Or how would you fix what they did? Um, These little moments like this, how would you write? Uh, I don't know. Um how would you write Boba Fett being around even though he fell into the Sarlacc pit? How would you write um I'm looking around my room at some various and sundry stuff. Ooh, how I don't know, you know, just how would you write Hulk versus Superman? That kind of thing. That's awesome. That's a great idea. So, I I dig that. Well, well done, Scott. Well done. Mitchell Huff from the Lost Hours podcast chimes in. He says, his subject line says, Marvel and DC internal logic. Hey, Steve, I just listened to the Marvel versus DC episode. I figured I'd throw my thoughts on the pile. I'm one of the people who have no clear favorite between the two companies, and not just because I have favorites out of both. Well, that's my fault.
2: That's how I am, Mitchell, so thanks for that shot at me.
1: For me, it has to do with the variety of stories that can be told when you take both companies together. To me, it all comes down to a a suspension of disbelief and each universe's own internal logic. An absurd idea in reality doesn't give you pause if it's consistent with the established rules of that universe. But the minute, rather, the logic is violated, the illusion is broken. For example, if Tony Stark in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was to put on a tiny domino mask and suddenly no one recognized him, no audience would buy it. That's not in line with the rules established for that universe. But in DC, the globally beloved Superman becomes invisible with a pair of horn rims and a slouch. The rule governing secret identities gives DC a huge amount of leeway. They can get away with more than Marvel can in that arena. I agree. A lot of Marvel secret identities are masks that completely cover your face. Um and 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 the roles that the people play in in the two lives are so, so distinctly um different. And um and so yeah, I that's 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 a great point I've never really thought of. The restriction... I'm sorry, they forced Marvel and DC to make their own unique product and contribute to the awesome variety of superhero stories, and I love superhero stories. Thanks so much for producing so much of my favorite content. Keep on keeping on. That's from Mitch Huff. That is a great point, Mitch. I, I don't think it plays into the point... I, i was trying to get at with some things because i i do agree i think you know your internal logic has to be consistent and i think they did that well in all of the cinematic stuff the batman stuff the superman stuff everything that they've put on the screen um i i leave green lantern out just because i you know yeah i leave green lantern out um but the, the Batman stuff and the Superman stuff, they, they definitely did kind of keep to their own internal logic for those little, small, nuanced things. And that's a good thing. That's a completely good thing. Uh, Drew chimes in. <clears throat> he says, DC movie comeback. He says, Hi, Steve. I was listening to your DC versus Marvel cast, and it got me thinking. I was really excited about the Netflix Daredevil thing coming up. Daredevil was one of my favorite heroes growing up, but what got my attention was that it was a Netflix direct thing. So walk with me for a moment. DC is getting their butts handed to them by Marvel. Cinematically, yeah, but on TV, let's be honest. Let's be honest. DC is ruling the airwaves. Um, Animated-wise, I think DC has always been better. The direct-to-DV stuff has always been better. Uh, Comic-book-wise, it's it's hit or miss. It's cyclical. Uh, Being so far behind, it will be very hard for them to catch up. What if DC started to put out Netflix Direct or some other streaming service, but instead DC's instead of DC's heroes, it could be their villain's origin story. I mean you can quickly set up the world for your larger Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman franchises. Instead of copying Marvel's formula, imagine a great Catwoman movie and not the abomination that they had released a Joker-Harley Quinn movie, a Lex Luthor movie. They wouldn't have to be huge budget movies. DC has proven they can do low-budget but high-quality productions very well with Arrow and their animated features. So by the time you have Lex Luthor show up in Superman, it's all the more epic because you know their motivations and their actions. So it's not just that, hey, I'm going to kill billions of people because Superman's dad made him angry, and it'll take us a week to adjust to the atmosphere. If done well, it could be a way to differentiate from Marvel saying we have great complicated villains and the iconic heroes of old all together. Just my two cents, and that's from Drew. Now, I agree, and and I'll tell you, this is one thing that I've been thinking about uh, on our Guardians of the Galaxy episode uh, with Eric Schoeneweiss. We talked about the fact that several of Marvel's movies have had less than stellar villains that they don't really capture your imagination. You don't come away really thinking about, um, how much you want to see these guys and how much more you want to get to know these guys. Whereas in the DC universe side of things, they really delve deep into the villain psyche. Um, Raz Al Ghul in Batman Begins. And I'm talking about the really successful ones, by the way. Uh, of course, the Joker and the Dark Knight. Go on, you know what? Go all the way back to Tim Burton's Batman in 89. Tim Burton set kind of a formula of his own where the villains took center stage rather than the heroes. And the thing about Marvel is, it's that's what's different about the Marvel movies, is the focus when you go see an Iron Man movie, with the exception here, prepare for some snark, with the exception of maybe Iron Man 3, you're seeing Iron Man. He is the focus of the story. Same thing with Captain America, same thing with the Incredible Hulk, same thing with Thor. Same, you know, and, and Loki exploded off the screen thanks to the Avengers and what he did in Thor the Dark World. But, you know, Loki's also closely tied to Thor more than Malekith was. So I think the idea is that Marvel's storytelling comes from a standpoint of Get on board with the heroes, and I dig it, man. I, I'm 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 there for that. I think it's a cool way of doing things. And if conversely, DC would like to continue the the deep exploration of the villains, juxtaposed next to the heroes go for it. I think that's that's also worked so well in the past in different things. Uh, Smallville was as much an exploration of the character of Lex Luthor as it was of Clark Kent. And it worked. It worked a ton. People loved Lex Luthor. They loved what Michael Rosenbaum did with Lex Luthor. But even the season with Zod, you know, it was just really, really a great kind of look into these villains to flesh them out more than maybe they ever had been. So... There's there's room for both, and and it's a great point that he makes that DC could it would be cool to see DC do something like that. I don't know that Warner Brothers will, Um, you know. I don't know I don't know how much the direct to Netflix or direct to Hulu model is working out for people. I'll tell you this: if you want a good show to check out, a fun show, check out the Awesomes on Hulu Plus. If you have Hulu Plus, Seth Meyers does a, a superhero cartoon with a bunch of other comedians called The Awesomes and it is it's fun. It's a fun show. There are a lot of um superhero tropes and stuff that they they get into and they parody a lot of different types of superheroes and it's meant to be funny, but it's also it's not as coarse as what like the Venture Brothers was on Cartoon Network, but it's kind of in that same vein of 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 superhero making fun of superheroes. Venture Brothers was more of a of a parody of the old Johnny Quest, you know, Hanna-Barbera stuff from back in the day. This is more of a parody of like the Super Friends. And, uh, but, and it works. It's really fun. And, and they get some depth and, and some life out of these characters more than just like one dimensional funny things. But it's also funny at the same time. Karan, who, uh, really got me thinking about the Marvel versus DC whole episode chimes in. He says, Thanks for reading my email before. I hope I didn't come across as a Marvel basher. I tried to be as polite as I could while still trying to get my point across. Just a couple more things from last episode, then I'll jump into some new stuff. I, the reason I got into it and the reason I read your email is because you were polite and you got your point across. And, and, and for the most part, it was very well thought out, I thought. I, I won't even say for the most part. I'll say it was very well thought out. You're absolutely right when you say that Bruce tends to retreat into Batman even more when he's in a tough situation. They'd show a panel with him hitting the criminals harder than necessary, Alfred speaking in the background trying to calm him down, while Bruce doesn't really reply to him. But the Nolan movies, more than anything, have been about keeping it real. Understand that for Bruce, the persona of the Bat is the reason he lost Rachel, A person would understandably run away from the cause of his problems. And I do get the jokes you make on Goal. When I say I found out that people hate the Bat voice on Goal, I mean I read it in the chat. It doesn't mean I'm talking about your Darth Vader breathing shenanigans. Also, thanks for reminding me of that scene in Thor when Loki tells him that Odin died. It made me watch Thor again. The feels were strong in that one. And I believe it's one of Hemsworth's finest moments on screen. I completely agree. Now to newer stuff. Two Batmobiles have been spotted on the sets of Batman 5, Superman Dawn of Justice. It's not jet black, which bothers me, but maybe they'll add color to it later on. And have you read a piece of Frank Miller's interview for Sin City 2? Here's the link. He gives a link. Uh, I did not take the time to read it, and I apologize for it. Um, uh, but basically, just as he doesn't like the Batman movies. He says, I don't mind that he hates Batman movies. He's their own. But he goes on to say, except that he seems to think he owns the title Dark Knight. He's about 20 years too late for that. It's been used. He's obviously referring to his Dark Knight Returns comic, which made for a great animated movie. But when has Nolan ever hinted at feeling like he's owned the Dark Knight title? And who does he think, and does he think he owns it just because of Dark Knight Returns is so popular? I don't think any one man can own a character with 75 years worth of history. Not Nolan, and definitely not Frank, who is now an arrogant snob, in my opinion, Miller. Uh, You know, Frank Miller, I've heard him talk about Batman, and he's talked about how the Dark Knight Returns series that came out, the four-issue arc uh it was a prestige format how he's kind of regrets the popularity that it got and, and i can't really cite where i heard that i just i can't remember where i saw him talking about that but because it seemed to suck the fun out of batman for years and years and years to come um and batman was an adventure comic for a long long time uh i don't know that nolan feels like he owns the dark knight i feel like i don't I, I can't speak to that at any level. I can't speak to that at any level. He says lastly, I know you've watched the flash pilot. I'm sure you have people listening who haven't so I'll keep it obscure. Jeff Johns has said that the DC Cinematic Universe and the, TC, the TV Universe are separate. It's a smart decision from a storytelling point of view. I agree. It allows for both universes to use the same characters but tell stories most suited their respective media. Agreed. It also doesn't hinder the DC Television Universe. But when they feel like they've done the best they can in separate universes, do you think they'll go for a crisis and merge going by the last scene of the pilot? Food for thought. Hmm. I will wait to expound on that on Starkville Labs, which we'll be recording next week with myself and Derek. We won't be doing it live. It's not a Goloverse show. It's a Starkville show. Um, but uh but we'll be recording and I'll bring that up. I think that's a that's a neat that'd be a neat concept. But it'd have to move, things would have to move a lot more quickly than they are moving, I think, to ever get to that that uh that point. So there you go um and that's from current all right moving on here jeff lane changes uh jeff lane is changing gears a little bit honest who's on 12th an honest to goodness email it says hey steve uh just to give you context you and i are about the same age i think i may be one or two years older than you i've been watching doctor who since i was uh eight or nine years old classic who fourth doctor on pbs at the time, I thought it was just this weird but awesome show about a guy who had a robot dog that could shoot lasers from its nose. When I was 11 or 12, I saw my first regeneration and freaked out. Ah, uh, freak out! Then, my one geek friend at school I imagine growing up in Maine was similar to growing up in Georgia, only colder informed me that the guy with the curly hair and long scarf I've been watching wasn't the first doctor, he was the fourth. Mind blown. So I say all that to say I watched Doctor Who now as a kid who grew into a teenager watching the classic series and got all jazzed in 2005 when the new series came on. I was watching when, Who when Whovians were lower on the geek totem pole than Trekkies, and I was one of those two, Not the pop culture history, hipsters they are today. That is true. I will say this. Doctor Who has enjoyed a huge explosion in the pop culture mindset uh and not even since 2005 i would say since about 2008 or 9 maybe even <clears throat> maybe more recent than that my mind said this is exactly what the show needs an older doctor a doctor who has spent 800 years without us really seeing him So we don't really know him anymore. And a doctor who was not all dreamy that is snogging his companions all the time. I'm sorry, I missed the line. Now onto my thoughts on the 12th doctor. At the time of writing this, we are three episodes in. My first reaction on the new doctor, and I'm not one of these people that says it takes me a while to warm up, I like the last one better, was actually two reactions. The reaction of the heart and the reaction of the mind. My mind said this is exactly what the show needs. My heart said he is cold and mean and off-putting and I don't know if I like him. That all changed with the Robot of Sherwood episode, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, it's in my inbox. I've got to watch it. He is really starting to grow on me. And best of all, he's really evoking some feelings of classic who he's older. Great. The Sonic isn't, uh, the Harry Potter one for everything. He swashbuckles like the fourth doctor. He karate chops like the third doctor. He is funny and banters like all the doctors and no snogging. He doesn't even like hugging. I think I'm going to like this guy. That's what I like most about the guys. He doesn't like hugging what I don't like. And this is more of a criticism of the new era. One, the companions are all cut from the same mold, pretty young earth girls, and yes, I'm including Donna in this. If we look to the fourth and fifth Doctor era in particular, the aliens on the TARDIS, Leela, Romana, Adric, Nyssa, Turlo, Canine, Chameleon, outnumbered the earthlings or came close to it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but let's drop the hop chicks and get some dudes and aliens on board. And two, in the old days, yes, I know I sound like Grandpa Lane now. The companions used to go with the doctor, not go and come back for dinner and Christmas and laundry day and to see their boyfriend and mom and get married. No, when you went with the doctor, you were pulled from your normal life, and you may or may not get dropped back off at the end. More likely, you were either killed off or marooned on some alien planet or the distant future or all of the above. No more popping back to Earth for visits and have their companions also live their normal lives. No, go and be gone. Okay, this is a long email. Hope you can read on the show. Thanks for all the shows you do and all. Thanks for all the shows and all you do and such as. That's the best from Jeff Lane. Jeff, I, you know, I've got to get more into this doctor. It hasn't taken me much time to warm up to him at all. I dug him right from the top right from the first episode. I agree with you. I like the fact that he's older. I like the fact that he is a little more... I like the fact that he's gruff and a little angry. He reminds me so much of some of those classic Doctors. Now, I've never really been into the classic Doctor. Who. I've watched a few episodes here and there, and I like him for the most part of what I see, but the one thing that maintained me, that, that, that I saw they maintained, was there was this aloofness and kind of standoffishness from everybody that turned into acute cleverness with David Tennant and Matt Smith. Now I love Dave Tennant, like Matt Smith. I really love Christopher Eccleston, um, but uh, but this guy Peter Capaldi, I think he's just I I I'm, I'm anxious to see where it goes. Excited to see where it goes with him. I really, really dig it. Uh, Jacob chimes in. He says, "Hey Steve, I can't believe I'm writing this." Uh, we live in an age where superheroes and all of our favorite stories are invading every entertainment venue, from live theater to shows to movies. So what's not to like? This justifiably is and should be the happiest time of a geek's life. I still question the reality of the fact we're getting another Star Wars trilogy, and that the Avengers actually happened and succeeded, and that Justice League is only years away. So the inception of the Incredible Hulk and Iron since the inception of the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man on the big screen in 2008, we've had a healthy dose of kick-butt comic book action on the big screen, year to year, and its popularity has spilled into the television venue. As happy as I am for the future, I begin to wonder about the successes of future releases. Let's take The Flash, for example. I've seen the pilot and was thoroughly impressed. I loved it. If the show lives up to the style of the pilot, then it will be a success, bar none. On the other hand, it took S.H.I.E.L.D., a cinematic movie, to actually generate success. Which brings me to, we are entering an era... There'll be an influx of superhero shows and what appears to be an oversaturation of Star Wars. Between the new trilogy, standalone movies, and various talked-about TV shows, Disney might as well come out with a Star Wars network. It's actually not a bad idea. It's actually not a bad idea, Jacob. Honestly, I hate that I'm complaining about it all that I love so much, but this oversaturation will undoubtedly produce releases that will probably fail miserably and possibly tarnish the value of the franchise's presented. I just don't want to allow Disney to do Star Wars to do to Star Wars what Star Trek did to, well, itself, with all the shows and whatnot. Nor do I want television networks just to take any available and unspoken-for comic and turn it into a live-action piece of poodoo, that is their only, that's only there to generate money. I know if I don't like it, I don't have to watch it. I get that, but a live-action teen Titans? Come on now. Every studio is jumping on the superhero bandwagon, and without actually having a passion for it. I want to produce something to generate revenue from the superhero hype. I or they want to rather. I understand that these studios can easily hire diehard fans, but not all diehard fans have a great vision, as the likes of some writers, creators, directors we look up to and admire the most. On the other side of the coin, if all of these shows and movies do succeed, there will not be enough time in the world for me and probably a lot of people to watch these shows. Time management is frustrating enough. I have yet to watch The Lord of the Rings. I guess, Steve, I'm writing so you can reassure me that everything will be fine and that I'm digging too deep into this new geek entertainment phenomena. Or if you agree, well, I'll be glad I'm not the only one. Um... Teen Titans is apparently being eyed by TNT as a live-action TV show. I wasn't aware at the time of reading this, and I appreciate you letting me know that. And that comes from Jake R two Jake two Hill R two. Um, it's a, it's a good point, and it's something that I I was kind of concerned about it as I started to think about stuff, especially with Star Wars, with the movies, uh, with the standalone films, with you know not just the trilogy but the standalone films with Rebels, with everything, is there going to be too much Star Wars? And what happens is, is I completely get bowled over by the quality of what we are being shown and what we're being let in on. And I think that we're safe with Star Wars. As it pertains to the superhero stuff, I want to go back to, you know, the superhero resurgence in, in really the skyrocketing popularity really began in 2002 with spider-man spider-man just blew everyone's mind now i know that x-men came along before that x-men was successful and a lot it got a lot of people talking and but spider-man just blew it all out of the water i mean spider-man sam raimi's first spider-man was just a movie that everyone couldn't get enough of and it was it was phenomenal it was one of the last times i remember watching a movie thinking they did it. They got they they did it. They blew my mind. I believe a man can swing on the web. I, that's really what it came down to. Um, after that, it was like, oh, this stuff's still viable. This stuff is really viable. X Men Two came along, did so much better than X Men. You had, but then what started to happen is Spider Man Two was great. You had a, you had that happen, um, but then what started to happen was. Uh, these these studios did exactly what you said they would do. You know this, and I really feel like this is the Marvel Studios response. I feel like what we've gotten since 2008 from Marvel, as far as releases goes. I know they were working on it before 2008, but I really feel like it was their response to the stuff that was happening. A lot of people don't like Daredevil. You know, I did dig Daredevil, especially the director's cut. We've said that a bazillion times here. But then they brought around Elektra, and Elektra was just just wasn't great you know i mean i i don't really remember it that well because i saw it and i just wasn't blown away by it i I wasn't like oh my gosh what a piece of trash i just was like okay that was what it was you know and i chalked it up to not really being a big fan of the character then you get a punisher film with thomas jane and i know this is out of the time i know that i'm not in the right timeline order here you get a you get a punisher film with thomas jane that was actually pretty good, Thomas Jane and John Travolta. I don't know why people didn't like it. I thought it was really, really good and a great entry into the franchise. And then they seemed to mess it up with Warzone, which I've never seen, but is apparently terrible. I need to watch it so I can have my own opinion about it. Um, you know, and and so you had stuff like that. Hulk, the, the Hulk was a was a mixed bag for a lot of people. Ang Lee's Hulk was, was just really a mixed bag for folks. And that's one of those things that I kinda take what I love and, and leave what I don't like so much and and you know appreciate what it is, but really love what they did with the Incredible Hulk so much more. So they they started to kind of do that, and I feel like that's what Marvel Studios was doing when they started their own Stuff and said, we're going to do this in-house now. And I think that was them trying to salvage that. So I don't think for Marvel Studios, and, and I agree with you about S.H.I.E.L.D., I, th- I feel like it took a while to get its footing. I want to go back and watch the first season, knowing what I know about the, the end of the season, to kind of see what clues are really laid, you know, uh, because it is a decent writing team that you've got there. The other thing, um, and so you had that kind of happen warner brothers to their credit was a lot slower to kind of come out of the gate with stuff you know they put out batman begins and then the dark knight and that took off they've not just thrown everything at the wall and that is to their credit you know and so hopefully what you'll see is is a universally more well accepted product come from them along and along and along because the thing is at the end of the day you know as I said earlier, I want to love these things more than I have loved some of them. And what you really want to, there's something to be said about the universal acceptance of everything from Iron Man through guardians of the galaxy that by and large people really dig what Marvel cinemas, what the Marvel studios have done. You know, it it remains to be seen what Fox is going to do with fantastic four. I'm kind of anxious to see that. I like the design I've seen for the thing. I'm anxious to kind of see a trailer to kind of get some idea of what's going on with that, because that's a franchise I absolutely have always loved. Um, as it pertains to what Fox is doing with the X-Men, you know, they've kind of turned a corner and Brian Singer's back in the helm and Brian Singer is someone who gets the X-Men who digs the X-Men. And I think, you know, X-Men Apocalypse is going to really tell the tale for me. I was underwhelmed with Days of Future Past, which is not to say it was a bad movie. It was just to say that it wasn't my cup of tea. But the X-Men have never really been my cup of tea. So that's the thing. I don't, obviously, if you start doing a lot of stuff in the same vein, there's going to be stuff people don't like. And there's going to be stuff that just doesn't live up to what it could. But as it pertains to Marvel Studios, they've hit a formula with the release, with, with how they release their movies, and how they go about making their movies that I think has worked. With Warner Brothers, they're Warner Brothers. You know, um, I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like we're to the point of oversaturation yet, um, and uh, and I'm not worried if we do get there. I'm not worried if we do end up with bad stuff. You know, there's part of me that would like it if uh if we were back to being a a bit more of a subculture than ruling the world kind of place you know um there's something special about just like when jeff was talking about being a classic fan of doctor who before it enjoyed its popularity there was something about being a star wars fan in 1993 you know it was you were in an elite club you were in a you were and i and i know that sounds elitist and snobbish and everything and i love that there's so you know that it's out there now but you know there was just something about it and so maybe we need that again for a little while who knows so we'll see what happens Um, you know and as far as time goes hey you don't have to take it that's what binge watching is for so there you go Um, I just noticed in the chat where Alicia says "Was the cup of tea Earl Grey hot so anyhow Uh, Cody says, got to disagree. That elitist mentality kept me away from the EU. Well, and for good reason. That's a great point. The EU got way big. It got super big. And it just, I wasn't talking about being a fan of the EU. I'm talking about, I was a guy that had Star Wars posters on my door. I was a guy who had, you know, still had Star Wars toys in my closet as a teenager. You know, I wasn't playing with the toys, but they were there. I had the movies, you know one of the first things I did when I had my own income was go out and buy my own copy of the movies, you know, so that because all we had was stuff that we had recorded off of TV or that my uncle had gotten through some nefarious ways for us, but I wanted, you know, official copies of these movies. And so when I had a job, one of the first things I did with my income was to go find a set and I did. And, and that's what I mean is, is it, it wasn't a situation where, um, I was like no one can like this. It was a situation where I'm like no one likes this. And you know, this is my little club that I'm in and when I found someone it meant something. You know, it meant something when you found another Star Wars fan or when someone was willing to be introduced to Star Wars. It really mattered in a huge way. So I'm not like again, I'm not saying it was an elitist attitude. It wasn't an elitist mentality I was trying to take. It was it was it was kind of a it was kind of like a one man against the world mentality. One man alone and uh and it was just you know it was like there were just it seemed like i was the honestly where i grew up it seemed like i was the only person in the world it 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 seemed like there was no one else in this world who liked star wars and i'm talking 1992 1993 it seemed like no one else in this world had a clue what it meant to anybody and And so, and then when I, you know, moved away, went to college, met people who were digging stars, we watched a movie one night in our dorm, all of us. We watched Return of the Jedi, and we had to make a rule no quoting with the movie. So, you know, and that was a new experience for me. And I was excited to find new people, but I was never one of these people like, well, you know, in the books, this is what happens. Because I always like, that's too much for people to get into. And quite frankly, the books got to the Expanded Universe, got to, um, Got too, uh, got too much. There was too much there. They, they did get oversaturated in the old expanded universe. Wow. We've got more to get to. Um, I just don't have time. We've got so much more on this show. So we're going to leave emails. We'll get back to your emails uh, down the road. Trust me, because there's some good stuff, good, good stuff, in the Geek Out Loud email bag.
0: Coming soon to Kenna, the new Play It Out Loud line of tours. You can be the amazing Big Honkin. I be glad that. Become your favorite heroes. Mono mono
2: mono. Superman, Superman, Superman. Hello, lady.
0: Act out your favorite adventures.
2: Oh no, the lady's went off
0: Kennas, play it out loud. Buck Thompson, Bigfoot, and Edna playsets sold separately. Now you have the power of the Gulliverse in your hands.
2: Snippet
1: snippet, snippet, time! Snippet! Apparently there's been a bit of a... Uh, back and forth, fun back and forth between Zack Snyder and now J.J. Abrams. Zack Snyder was doing some reveals of the Batmobiles we read in one of the emails earlier. And um, they were doing this thing where some stormtroopers apparently tried to, tried to steal it. And they showed some stormtroopers being arrested uh, for trying to steal the Batmobile. Joker, uh, Bat- wait a minute, Batmobile lost a wheel and Joker got away. But in this case, the stormtroopers didn't. So in a bit of fun, coming back over the top, man... Um, Wow, yeah, beautiful, beautiful reveal. Ladies and gentlemen, this may be spoilery, and I'm sorry if it is. So spoiler alert, no. Okay, I'm sorry, get over it. It's not a spoiler to say. The Millennium Falcon is back. We kind of already knew it. We've been talking about it. People have been saying it. And my Lanta, they just, they they did this video where they just kind of film down the side of the Millennium Falcon, just on, oh, you see the detail and it's just, Oh man. Um, it's just wonderful. It is just, Oh, brings a tear to my eyes. What it does guys to, to look at this thing. Um, and what they did is as they were, as they were showing it off, um, hey. oh, This is just, it's the Millennium Falcon, guys. And I mean, oh, it's just, you could, they kind of come up under where the cockpit of the, of the Falcon is and you're just kind of going along the edges there and you just see all the, all the parts and pieces and what a piece of junk and, and they come up to underneath it to this one point where there's something attached to the bottom and it's the Batmobile from the Dark Knight trilogy, the from Nolan's trilogy. It's the Tumblr and it's painted, you know, to blend in with the with the thing. And what's really cool, if you ever got to go see the um if you ever got to go see the the um <clears throat> the museum display, the stuff that was in the Smithsonian that went around on tour I forget what they called it. Maybe it was the magic of myth, but they had all types of props and costumes and stuff. I got to see it when it was in Minnesota. And <clears throat> and when you see the models of the the Millennium Falcon that they use, that they film the miniature models, you see the kind of little neat little bits and pieces of, of, uh, of stuff they kitbashed and threw on there, and it's just like, this is so perfect. But guys, I can't watch that video enough. I mean, just watching the camera pan down and you see that that just millennium falcon guys it's a millennium falcon and it's amazing and it's wonderful and i'm so happy about it it just it made my day to see this today and if you haven't seen it check it out you can it's all over just um just just google jj abrams millennium falcon and it'll come up on youtube it's it's good it's so good I just, you know, someone said, do they need to get me a room? Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Snippet. Adam, the Adam, Ray Palmer, is going, again, this may be kind of spoilery. I don't want to ruin anything for you. He's getting a costume, and arrow. Um, now, this is cool because we know that Brandon Ralph who played Superman in Superman Returns, is going to be Ray Palmer, the Atom, in Arrow. And he's kind of confirmed he's got a costume. He couldn't really give details on it, that sort of thing. But he said he's not wearing it at first. So I didn't realize this. He's going to be around for a bit. Could we be building to a Justice League-type event in the DC television universe? I hope so. I really do hope so. I think it's only natural that we get some season finale or even mid-season finale or mid-season premiere, much like they did with Justice in season six of Smallville and later on the whole Justice Society uh, arc in, in, in Smallville down the road. I, it, I think it'd be amazing. And it looks like, you know, and the fact that they're not putting the constraints that Smallville had on it, you know, these these are happening in-universe. This is, you know, this is comic book timeline. That They're already superheroes. I say back a Brink's truck up to Tom Welling's uh, house and get him to come on as Superman at some point. I think it'd be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to see Tom Welling and Brandon Routh on screen together? Oh, come on, people. Make it happen. For me. Please. Please, sir, uh, I want some more. I know that's how I sound, but gosh. I think it's so cool that uh, the Adam is getting a... Um, is getting a costume. I just think it's really cool that they're not shying away because I remember the the no flights, no tight stuff from Smallville. I remember how that was and it's just, it's not happening around here. So, I dig it. I completely dig it. Snippet! Um, the, uh, the synopsis uh, for Avengers Age of Ultron has been released. Avengers 2... Uh, And and I want to talk about this briefly. Marvel Studio presents Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm going to read the synopsis, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready. Settle in. It's not long. The epic follow-up to the biggest superhero movie of all time. When Tony Stark tries to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program, things go awry, and Earth's mightiest heroes, including Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye, are put to the ultimate test as the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. As the villainous Ultron emerges, it is up to the Avengers to stop him from enacting his terrible plans. And soon, uneasy alliances and unexpected action pave the way for an epic and unique global adventure. Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron stars Robert Downey Jr., who returns as Iron Man, along with Chris Evans as Captain America, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, together with Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. And with the additional support of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury and Kobe Smulders as Agent Maria Hill, the team must reassemble to defeat James Spader as Ultron. Now, what if it was James Spader as Ultron and not just the voice of Ultron? Just saying, that's a whole different movie. A terrifying technological villain hell in on a human extinction. Along the way, they confront two mysterious and powerful newcomers, Wanda Maximoff, played by Elizabeth Olsen, and Pietro Maximoff, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, and meet an old friend in a new form when Paul Bettany becomes Vision. Now, one of my big things about Age of Ultron has been no Hank Pym, no Henry Pym's involved. And it really bothered me because Henry Pym invented Ultron. He was the one who came up with that artificial intelligence. He was the one who created this monster, and it really kind of played into his character. Well, check this out the very first line of the synopsis when Tony Stark tries to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program. I like the idea that Tony Stark is going to try to improve on something that maybe Henry Pym, Hank Pym, has already done. We're going to see Hank Pym in Ant-Man as played by Michael Douglas, so it works out that, that he was possibly kind of tied into shield somehow and he tried to do this and it just never worked out so tony stark tries to jumpstart it he tries he, he finds the files because everything was made public in winter soldier and he goes to try to revive it from the dead and use his own stuff about artificial intelligence to put in there and boom ultron comes to life boom tries to wipe out humanity boom avengers assemble boom epic movie so suddenly, anything that I had kind of trepidations about may be going away. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I'm just saying. It, to me, as someone who was like, "Well, that's not how they did it in the comics." Now it's closer to how they did it in the comic, or could be. I'm not saying it is. I don't. I, I'm not. It just it could be closer to how they're doing it. In the com- how they did it in the comics. Snippet! it. Um <laughs> sung that one. Um, hey, this is cool stuff. Amanda Pays from the original Flash series is going to be in the CW's Flash series. In the original Flash series starring John Wesley Shipp, uh, Amanda Pays played kind of his sidekick, scientist buddy, maybe potential love interest, uh, Tina McGee. In Flash, she's playing someone called Tina McGee. It's awesome. I I kind of crushed on her a little bit when that was out. You know, I've always thought she's kind of attractive, and and she's British, so boom. You know, that's that's good stuff. But that is to me really cool. It's a really cool nod and understanding of what has come before. And uh, look. So far, this flash series to me is 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 what is one of the things I'm really looking forward to. Not just because we're doing Starkville Labs, uh, because the pilot was so good, um, and it was so superhero-y. I, and I love superheroes, guys. That I've said it. I said it on the last episode a bazillion times, and uh, and this show um, looks to be just absolutely stunning. and and amazing uh, with this kind of stuff and these little nods and this stuff that, you know, the the diehard fans will enjoy as much as um, the regular fans. Regular fans? Anyhow, hey, one more. Snippet, if you're not listening to Star Wars Oxygen over at the Rebel Force Radio, you are missing some good stuff. Jimmy Mack, every month, uh, along with David Collins talks the music of Star Wars, the music of John Williams and Star Wars. They just released their 10th episode. It's the first part of their discussion about the music of Return of the Jedi. What's really interesting to me about the music of Return of the Jedi is I feel like sometimes with a lot of die-hard fans it gets overlooked. Uh not die-hard fans, but with a lot of fans it gets overlooked because of, you have the main theme, you have the you know the Imperial March and stuff and the Force theme and and, and a lot of other music Duel of the Fates and and, and such as and Return of the Jedi may seem to a lot of people to just be kind of, Jimmy Mac says in the episode, a victory lap. And right out of the gate, with this first episode, kind of delving in this music, you realize, no, it's not. It's not a victory lap. They start out by talking about um, one of David Collins' favorite cues, and they talk about what, what that is and, and how that works. And he completely put a whole new spin on a moment in the movie for me with that. But I got chills, ladies and gentlemen. I got literal. I was driving down the road last night listening to this episode, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I have never been so blown away in, so, in a long time by Star Wars. And I'm someone who has loved Star Wars all his life, who has listened to this stuff again and again and again and again. And I want to play you a clip. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I want to tease you a little bit. I'm not even going to tell you the track they're talking about and see if maybe you know what it is. It is definitely worth your time to check that out. This is a clip from Star Wars Oxygen.
0: Themes in general. So let me just go into sort of a bit of a music moment. And if you're not a music person, it's okay. I won't go too deep into this. But melodies are generally made up of notes, right? You know, all your different notes. Right, but also rhythm. Ba 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 ba. Right, that's that's how notes are kind of played over time. If you take the rhythm out of those eight notes and you just go, and you just play the first five notes of that theme, you get this.
1: Now, guys, I'm telling you straight up. Go listen to Star Wars Oxygen. I was completely blown away. And from from that clip there, when you, if, and you may, if you know the music, know the know the moment he's talking about, and know the piece he's talking about. But beyond that, they get into the graphing of the music and comparing it to Joseph Campbell's graphing of a hero's journey. And 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 Dave talks a little bit about his work on uh, a, a a video game called Journey. And and, and it brings this thing full circle it was just a fascinating fascinating episode looking at the music of john williams and if you're not listening to rebel force radio and i'm sure most of you are and and if you're not listening to oxygen d- dude listen to star wars oxygen the music of john williams on the rebel force radio feed monthly jimmy mac david collins they're doing an outstanding job It's eye-opening. It's inspiring. It makes me want to watch the movies. It makes me want to listen to the music. It is just, it is outstanding. Outstanding. So, having said all that, um, just about ready to wrap it up. But before we do, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to bring back one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. It's time to bring back Bad Impersonations Theater on this episode of Bad Impersonations Theater we will be experiencing the Royale with Cheese scene from Pulp Fiction as performed by Marvin the Martian as Jules and Grover as Vincent
2: okay so tell me again about the candy bars okay What do you want to know? Candy is legal there, right? Yes. It's legal. But it is not 100% legal. I mean, you cannot walk into a restaurant, unroll a Jolly Rancher, and start sucking away. I mean, they want you to enjoy candy in your home or certain designated places. Those are candy bars. Yes. It breaks down like this. Okay. It is legal to buy it. It is legal to own it. and. If you are the proprietor of a candy bar, it is legal to sell it. It is legal to carry it, but that does not matter, because get a load of this. If you get stopped by a cop in Amsterdam, it is illegal for them to search you. I mean, that is a right the cops in Amsterdam do not have. Oh man, I am going. That's all there is to it. I am going. Perhaps I'll even be able to buy my Modium Q36 explosive space modulator. You will dig it the most. But do you know what the funniest thing about Europe is? What? It is the little differences. I mean, they have the same stuff over there we have over here. But it is just there is a little difference. Examples? All right. You can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy Kool-Aid. And I do not mean in a paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of Kool-Aid. And in Paris? You can buy Kool-Aid at McDonald's. Do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? No, man. They have the metric system there. They would not know what a quarter pounder is. What do they call it? They call it Royal with cheese. Royal with cheese. Hmm. What do they call a Big Mac? A Big Mac is a Big Mac but they call it Lay Big Mac. Lay Big Mac. What do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I did not go into a Burger King. Do you know what they put on French fries in Holland instead of ketchup? What?
1: Mayonnaise.
2: Wow, seriously? I have seen them do it, man. They completely drowned them in this stuff. Ugh. no wonder I want to blow up the earth. Who does that? Perhaps I'll use my Imodium Q36 explosive space modulator. Hmm? Isn't it lovely? I'm sorry.
1: I always feel like I need to apologize for those. Someone made the mistake, though, and emailed in and said um, said they wanted to go on and continue. So, there you go. Blame that person. I forget who it was, but you can blame them. I want to thank you so much for joining us on Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out. And of course, you can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. The website is geekoutpodcast.com. That's where you'll find all the different feeds for Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud, Disney Vault Talk, and, of course, the catch-all feed for Disney, um, for Geek Out Loud by Lanta. Hey, if you want to support us, you can head over to geekoutonline.com. And there on the left-hand sidebar, there's a place where you can do your Amazon shopping. When you do that, it helps out the show immensely. Thanks to everyone who's been doing that. Please head over and do that for us. Geekoutonline.com on the left-hand sidebar. is uh, It's Amazon US, so if you're not in the US, you can't help out that way. But th- that's fine. That's
2: fine. That's fine.
1: Amazon kicks back a little bit. Make sure you clear your cookies. And if you want to be a, a hardcore supporter of the Goaliverse, a guardian of the Goaliverse, if you will. Head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and uh, support us at the level you're comfortable with. Ten cent a month, up to however much you want to a month. Uh, We've got uh, t-shirts on the way for those who support us at the t-shirt level and above. And uh, in the next little bit, uh, the next installment of the exclusive podcast coming. So keep your eyes out for that. And thank you to everyone so much, man. It 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 is always humbling month to month. And I'm so appreciative of, of your support of us through Patreon.com slash geekout loud. Geek Out Online is a place where you can go find everything. The the goal insider newsletter, the t-shirt link, everything's there at geekoutonline.com, twitter.com slash geekout loudfacebook.com slash geek out loud. That my friends, as they say, is that I thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you and your support and and uh, thanks for downloading us, listen live, everything that you do to support the Goliverse. We greatly appreciate it. Proud part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. Check us out there along with such great shows as well most of the Goliverse and well, all of the Golaverse is there now, as well as uh, Skywalking Through Neverland has just debuted on Shot Glass Digital. Fictional Frontiers, Techno Retro Dads, Bondcast is back at Shot Glass Digital. And of course, the flagship that if you're not listening to it and you're a Star Wars fan, I don't know how you can call yourself a Star Wars fan. Rebel Force Radio with Jason Swink and Jimmy Mack. They're doing a great job at everything they do over there. Well, this has been Geek Out Loud. I'm Steve Glosson. I hope to see you next time right here. Have a great whatever, everybody.